You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic holistic physician, best-selling author, international speaker, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. The greatest wealth is health. Now, without our health, our vitality, our mental clarity, our best energy level, every part of our lives can suffer. Without physical health, you lose your ability to show up for your family. You lose the ability to maximize your productivity at work, the ability to to make an impact in the world, and you definitely won't have the capacity to create wealth if you have health issues. But to have ultimate health and wellness, it does take money. We need money to live in a clean environment, to buy clean, fresh, organic food. Go to the best doctors if you have a medical problem. Now, wealth and wellness is key to living the life of your dreams. And our guest today, Christina Wise, is here to give us some insight on how you can build both wealth and wealth wellness with ease. Christina is a real estate mogul, financial wellness mentor, creator of several multi-million dollar businesses, including Good Life Luxury, The Paperless Agent, and most well, uh, recently, Wealthy Wealthy. And that second wealthy is spelled W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. She is also an international speaker and an award-winning author of the Amazon, number one Amazon best-selling uh, book, Falling for Money, a romance novel for your bank account. Christina Wise got, is here, and thanks so much for being here with us and talk about a touchy subject, money. I love talking about money, so that's part of my mission is to make money an easy topic to talk about, where we love talking about money as much as we like talking about anything else that are fun topics. Absolutely. You know, the biggest thing that whenever we talk, say money to anyone, whether it's a man or a woman, it uh, doesn't matter. You know, people are skittish about talking about it. They have either guilt, shame. I, I, it's, it is a constant thing and they really don't want to talk about it. Um, so why is what's going on and why is that the case? Well, when we talk about money, let's say in a business context, all the conversations around money are about how to make it. And so when we go to masterminds or we go to workshops or we go to seminars, it's all about how to make more money. And so that's the be all end all. And that's a great big myth there is about money that the answer to all my money problems is just to make more of it. If I make more, then I'll solve all those money problems. But money's much bigger than that. Money is about wealth. It's about freedom. It's about security. It's about safety. It's all these other more emotional, real life issues. So when we avoid it, when we're afraid of it, when we, when we maybe make a lot, but we don't have a lot, when we have debt, when we have bad feelings about it, we can attach it to a lot of guilt or shame, or a lot of people may be on big stages. They're making it, but they know behind closed doors that they're, they're maybe facing bankruptcy, or there's a lot of debt that's not being talked about. So there's a lot of maybe feelings of hypocrisy and all these different emotional elements to it that make it a, somewhat of a like a shameful topic or something we're just embarrassed or afraid to put out on the table. And then a lot of times we just we're not confident with it. We don't know how it operates. So that's another level of that lack of knowledge that brings this fear or willing or desire to avoid it. And we know with anything in life, if we avoid our health, if we have these nagging issues, these little signs, you know, these we have some pain or sensations or we're lower in energy. If we ignore those, they're not going to go away. There's signs that something's not working. 
the way it should. So, you know, if we start looking at those, even sometimes the scale, if we step on a scale and it's showing like gulp, you know, I'm, I'm 20 pounds overweight, that's not healthy. We have a scale with our money too, like our money tells us stories. And so we can't avoid it. It's something that affects every aspect of our lives getting over, just confronting some of those feelings and learning a little bit about money and addressing some of the mindset or the, the deep-seated emotional baggage that maybe we've brought with us, those affect every category that brings, like I said, these negative low vibration type uh, energies to the money, and then there we avoid it. So all those things built together just causes, causes us to to not talk about it, to, to just think if we, if I just make more money, then I don't have the money will just work itself out and money doesn't operate that way. Well, I, I'm right there with you regarding this whole uh, mindset thing about money, because I know most of us, we are brought up with parents who have specific values about money, their thoughts about money. Actually, we, uh, we, um, in a sense, absorb or feel the same thing, or we think it's the same thing. We think, oh, you know, when maybe you you're brought up with no money, you were very poor. So when you're in that situation, you're constantly in a state of survival mode, and you actually live in that mindset that I just have to make enough to uh, be able to live, right? I mean, our, so much of our baggage has to do with the way our parents were brought up and their parents. And this is just a generational after generation, the same values and same thought process and the same scenario. And that's why people can't get out of, you know, the projects or, or the um, locations. Some people just cannot leave where they're from because they're, they're, they have been brought up with this form of like sheltering in a sense, whether you're poor or you're middle class or you're, you're making a lot more money. So it's very interesting how we've got to break through our mindset and what we were brought up with. Yeah. The mindset piece, uh, the way I teach money is that there's these real two components. It's actually three components and I call it the mind, body and spirit of money. And the mind piece really is, is the mindset and our mindset is really set our money mindset is set by age seven so based on what we heard as children what did your parents say about money was it what was the language they used for example was it we can't afford it or go ask your dad or or uh, you know it's just not in the budget or you know any number of things that we heard we're just little listening ears as children so those things get embedded in our psychology get embedded and we bring those with us in adulthood without even knowing it. We'll find ourselves saying the same things. I can't afford it. There's not enough money. Money falls through my fingers. I'm not good with money. I'm not good at math. And all of those statements that based on the phrases we use regarding money tells the truth of our, of our mindset and our belief system that's simply not true. Anybody can be great with money. Money doesn't have to fall through fingers. Money can be very abundant. I mean, there's plenty, but we can't go chase it or find it. We just actually learn about it. So that's the mind piece. And that's what we listened as children. And there's what we, what we saw. Like, how did, that, what, how did the dynamics play out? Was money a source of conflict between our parents that, that they always argued over it? So money became a conversation that was unsafe, that was, you, know, you couldn't bring up without something really rocking the boat or creating an argument. So that gets deeply embedded. All those childhood can I, can I things ask we heard you, and saw, our listeners do right now, like a strategy that they can implement so that they start working on 
those patterns, those thought processes. That's not that they want to change. What can we do right now, at least in the mind, at the mind level? The mind level, the first thing to do, there's a couple things to do to start working on the mindset piece is to really catch yourself. When the topic of money comes up, what words and phrases are you using? Because those words or phrases will actually, they represent what we actually believe to be true underneath. Because all of our actions, everything, all of our results come from the way we think and our thoughts come from our beliefs. And so those are deep-studded beliefs. So if you just listen to the words you use, you're using words like, Man, money's easy. I love money. Money is easy to make. Money, I love building wealth. Money's a great conversation. I'm good with it. So if those are the statements we're saying, we probably have a pretty healthy relationship with it. But if we're saying other things, that more of that scarcity, depravity mindset, then, then those words are the first place for us to pay attention and just change the language. By changing the language, we'll change the way we behave about it. So that's one of the first things to do. Another thing to do it's really that relationship that we have with money, like a relationship with the spouse. If we ignore our spouse, are we going to have a good relationship with, with our spouse or our significant other? If we avoid them, if we deny them, if we don't pay any attention to them, if we don't have a conversation, if it's, if it's negative, how good is that relationship going to be with that significant other? The same is with our money. If we're avoiding it, if we're not appreciating it, if we're not spending time with it, that probably means there's not a good relationship. So the second thing I recommend people to do on the mindset slash relationship side is to really spend some time and have a write a story to money and just get, it's very cathartic, just to get it out. A lot of people, when they do this exercise, for example, is simple and maybe silly as it seems, it can be really transformative by saying, but just being truthful, money, I don't like you. You make me, you know, whenever, where are you when I need you? And, and it always seems you cause me problems. and I feel like I sell my soul for you or whatever may came up just to get that out of the system and, and just check in, like get that, like say good therapy session. And then the second thing is rewrite that story to, I love you. I'm grateful for you. And I still want to grow you, but I'm grateful for what you do and what we have now, as opposed to what we tend to find ourselves that no matter what our situation or how much money we make, we're in this, this relationship where it's never enough. So we're never grateful. We're always like, I need more. I need more. So we can be in a relationship with our money when we're grateful for what we have and what it does for us today and still sit in this abundance-type belief that that I can create and invent and grow money to any level that that I desire. Oh, I love that. I love what you, you, know, what you can grow to whatever you desire. And again, what I'm, I'm getting from this and I'm hoping the listeners are getting is that we have got to have a better relationship and feel good about money and look at money as something that's going to be positive and help us get to whatever we want in our lives. It gives us so much more freedom. So then what, how about you mentioned mind? That was mind. You, you mentioned two other areas, body and spirit in the body section of money. What do we need to know? Yeah, the body side is what I call embodied knowledge. It's the skill with money. So when our when we know something, so a surgeon that's done 10,000 surgeries, let's say, they don't have to think about surgeries. It's pre-thought because it's, it's embodied knowledge. They know what to do. With, with you, with the work that you do, it's embodied. When you hear someone, you know automatically the prescription to help them if it's change of diet or different supplements or or whatever you know from all your years and years, your expertise, that embodied knowledge, you're just your knowing. 
So when it comes to money, many people work on their mindset, but they don't understand the embodied knowledge, the skill set piece. When we start working with our money pre-thought, it just becomes as natural as going for a walk or brushing our teeth or doing our expertise, you know, our job that we've mastered by all those 10,000 hours we've put in. So that's the embodiment of money, the true knowledge and skill that's required to grow wealth. If we, we increase our skill set when it's in our business, our job, to make more money that's on the income side, but to grow true wealth, it's a different level of skill, a different type of embodied knowledge. So we're, we're working on improving our skill sets to make more money through being better business operators or owners or, or just like I said, our job and our career. And we want to increase or build that skill set when it really comes to building wealth because that's one of the myths I like to break that people don't talk about because everybody's focused on income. There's a difference between income and wealth. And if we don't know the difference, we're typically just focused on income and fall victim to that myth that making more money will solve all my money problems. And no, it's building wealth that will solve your money problems. Right. Well, what can we tell someone who just got out of college? You know, in college, you probably have college debt. How can we start building wealth? Even though you might not, you might be, your income's lower, what can we do every day so that we can embody the knowledge of wealth and, and learn how to build wealth? Uh, is there, are there classes? Is there books? I mean, what do you recommend for the young person so they can implement it right away? Even if you don't make a lot of money, I still believe that you can still save. Isn't that right? We still can have 401ks with our, our business, I mean, our uh, uh, job that we might have. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, the biggest thing, so like here's the here's the million dollar tip for building wealth. Ready? <laughs> Spend <laughs> less than you make. So bottom line, I mean it's that simple, is that there's something called Parkinson's law, and it's like the fundamental universal law of money. And Parkinson's law says expenses will always rise to match income, and what was once a luxury becomes a necessity. And so that gets us on what I call this paycheck-to-paycheck hamster wheel, that if you're young and you're only making, let's say, $4,000 a month, and that's what you're making straight out of college, you're going to spend $4,000 a month, and you're going to put off saving and investing in assets, thinking, all right, I'm going to wait until I'm 30, because then I'll have more money. But then 30 comes, it's like, I'm going to wait until 40. 40 comes, and it's always that waiting game, because as the income comes up, then all of a sudden... Maybe you're making $10,000 a month, but that's what I call lifestyle and expense creep. Then that $10,000 a month, guess what? Your lifestyle goes up to match that $10,000 paycheck. Your $4,000 lifestyle matches the $4,000 paycheck. So to not fall victim to that universal law, we have to understand that the only way to build wealth is to spend less than you make. And wealth is based, what wealth is, is wealth is assets. It's assets to produce cash flow. With how we win the money game, how we reach this place called financial freedom, that ultimately we're all after, whether we're clear with that or not, that's that definition of passive income. It's where the assets on our balance sheet is the assets. The assets throw off the income that can replace our working income. There's only two types of income. Working income, meaning we go to work every day to to make that income, and non-working income, which means asset income. So if I, let's say, have a job, that produces $10,000 a month. And over the course of how many years that, I, that I'm investing, let's say now I have a portfolio of real estate investments and the cash flow from that, well, those real estate investments are now $10,000 a month. I've just replaced my working income with asset income. 
So that's the game we're doing. And the only way to do that is to take advantage of what's called time. How you build wealth is time. And that's why the sooner people start, they have more time to build the wealth. So to start in your 20s means you're going to have all that time to, to build boatloads of wealth. That if you start at 50, you don't have the time to do it. So that's why the younger we start. And, you know, I, there's a favorite quote of mine that says, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second time, best time to plant a tree? Right now. So no matter where we are, we have to understand the only way to win the wealth game, which means we'll have passive income in the future to replace some or all of our working income. The only way to do that is to take advantage of time by investing, letting those assets grow through compound interest. Because here's the thing. If I were to put in, let's say, I had a, I had a goal of, of $2 million, let's say, of net worth that would produce $100,000 roughly of asset income, non-working income. That $272,000, that's the money our hard work would put in. The rest of the $2 million, $1.3, comes from compound interest. So our money can work twice as hard as we do. So we would have to work three times as long to make that same amount of money. That's why we have to invest. We can't income or save our way to wealth. We can only grow it, taking advantage of time and compound interest. And that's what they don't teach in school. And that's why if we knew that, we would start sooner because why wouldn't we want our money to work twice as hard as we do to get twice as much to, to you know, 200% what we can make on our own? Those are, it's everything that you're saying is so important that people to understand this compounding interest is really crazy on how much you can grow. I mean, I, I, um, am helping my son right now because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the fire movement. I, you know what I mean by the fire movement, right? Uh, financial yeah. independence, retirement early, not that I'm going to retire early. And what it really means for me is having the freedom. If I wanted to retire, I, I could retire at an early age. And, uh, Cody, my son, he's 25 right now going on 25 this year. And so, um, we're working on his 401k growth, but also in outside investments as well. And so that little by little, and I showed him how there's a calculator online called the money chimp. I don't know if you've ever been on, have you been on that moneychimp.com? I send a lot of my, you know, people and my, I had my son and everyone go there so that you can look at this compounding interest, um, calculator and it's just incredible how much money you can save on, on a, if you let it grow every year religiously, just on a month to month basis, you put money into whatever account that you decide and that you're, you, you or your financial, you and your financial advisor or someone that such as you, Christina will give advice on, et cetera. Uh, it grows exponentially where you can become millions, like millionaire, millionaire. I mean, by just doing a certain amount, uh, even if it's only, if you can save $500 a month, let's say, you know, for a certain number of times. Absolutely. $500 a month to start with your 20s means you're going to have plenty of money when you reach a, you know, a certain age, 60, 70, whatever your number is. And here's the thing. It's so simple. You can go to Google, Google compound calculator and throw in some numbers and you can see exactly how much to put in every month to hit certain numbers. And you can see the pie chart of how your money is going to 200% whatever working income that you put in just from your own. So that's the only way to build wealth. You can't save it. And there's also a difference between 
saving and investing. And, and I like to make the distinction. Investing means you're investing in assets. You really, the intention is not to touch those assets. It's to let those assets build and throw off cash flow because the whole game is cash flow. Ultimately, that's why you're investing, to have future cash flow. And 401ks, these other quote-unquote retirement vehicles, those are antiquated. We're not, most people aren't going to have enough with a 401k because the fees are too high and the market conditions and it's too much out of your control. So we want to become investors, what I call the investor mindset. And everybody can do it. Investing is actually really simple once we just learn a little bit of, of know-how and formula to be able to start investing and build those assets. But investments are assets, and assets are designed to produce non-working income. That's the game. Savings is future spending. So what I talk about and what I teach is when you make your income any given month, I talk about this idea that we want to treat our household as a business, and we want to take profit off first, which is called the profit first concept in our household. We have to become the CFOs of our own business because, again, contrary to popular belief, our income doesn't make us wealthy. I work, most of my clients are high income broke people in the sense that they make high incomes, but they're still paycheck to paycheck. If something were to happen to them, they're screwed meaning they can't pay the bills three months later because they don't have any non-working income and they don't have any cash really available to help them in these in, when life happens. And so we need to save. First, we need to understand the difference between savings and investing. When we make an income, again, let's pretend it's $10,000 a month. We, we have to split up those, that income into different categories because different categories of our money are earmarked of that $10,000, $10,000 can't all go towards our lifestyle expenses, the cost of, you know, of what it costs for us to live our life month to month. We have to break those, that income into five different pieces or four other pieces. There's the income, but as business owners, we need to earmark a percentage for taxes. I can't tell you how many high income people I talk to are in debt just because they're paying back taxes that they didn't save for. So we have to sweep off a certain percentage of our income for taxes, assuming it's not coming automatically out of our paycheck, because that's not our money. It's earmarked for the IRS. Another percent of our money is earmarked for investments. That's Again, we don't spend that money this month. We spent, I mean, ultimately we'll spend it, but we save it in an investing account, let that money grow, and then we invest that money. We spend it to buy assets. So we spend that amount of money that's saved Event once we have enough saved, then we spend the money in that bucket, and now we buy an asset with it. For example, we spend money, we save money on big purchases like education and what I call our dreams bucket and our emergency fund rainy day bucket. So we have these cash accounts sitting there that are for big ticket expenses that we're saving for, and then we'll ultimately spend the money on the mastermind. We'll spend the money on the dream vacation, but we're not going into debt to it. That money is earmarked, and then the rest of the money that we spend, let's say, on a monthly basis of that $10,000 is going to pay our lifestyle. But we need to categorize our money. That's one of money's rules. Money has different roles. It's like if you have a business with five employees, all five employees don't do the same job. They all have different jobs to make that business profitable. Our money does different jobs to make us profitable. So when we start thinking like a business person is our household, and again, it's just very simple. These things are simple to learn, simple to set up. And then we just operate our business as a small, you know, as our small little wealth building business. Our, our business business is just to make income. Our household business is to build wealth. Once we set up these categories, we have our different buckets, we save, and then we spend all those different monies either on investments or spend to the IRS or spend in our different accounts, and we live off what's left over. 
So some of our, our listeners are definitely, they may not be making $10,000. They may only make even two to $3,000 a month. Can we still save a little bit now? And if we do, what's the percentage of our income, of our paycheck, do we put into our savings? Yeah, so again, these numbers shift a little bit if we're younger, again, <laughs> The younger you are, get started on these now, and you'll never have to worry about money, regardless of how much income you make. An example of that, for example, are my own two children, and one is 23 and one is 24. And the way they work their money, and they have very modest incomes, but they're already rich. They're already millionaires in mindset and skill set because they're doing the formula. They're just not there yet, but they know it's just a matter of time, and they're going to hit their numbers because compound interest is a universal law. So they don't really have to worry about money. They just have to make sure they're sweeping a certain amount to invest and let those buckets grow. And, and they have the next 40 years to do this. So they're going to be just fine because they're starting so early. And so they can even start with smaller amounts or smaller percentages. So it, whatever the number is, if, it's, if you're younger, if maybe it's a modest income, then you know maybe it's only 10% off the top. But it's off the top. That's the profit you're taking off the top of your income to invest in your future self, that financial freedom fund, if you will. Now, if you're older, you probably, to hit those numbers, to hit your financial freedom number, you're probably going to have to take more off the top because you don't have as much time on your side for compounding. But the rule that I like to use, which is really kind of right in the middle, when we're, where a lot of people start, is what I call my, my millionaire formula is the 20-80-20. And the 20-80-20 is, is the idea of you take 20% off the top of that $10,000, so that would be $2,000. And let's say you take $2,000 off for taxes, about a 20% tax rate for that amount. So you have $6,000 left over. And then 80% of what's left over is your, is your allowance for your lifestyle. And then 20% of what's left over is, would be for your what I call your red buckets, your rainy day, your education, your dreams buckets, which are those different savings buckets. So that 20-80-20 formula, make sure that you're going to have enough to build your financial freedom fund. You know what your, your budget or allowance is, roughly, as to how much money you get to design for your lifestyle, and you organize your lifestyle expenses around that number, and you make sure you have enough to fund your savings buckets to make sure that you have money for emergencies and for these big ticket expenses, because the only way we can grow our income is through personal and professional growth. So if we're not spending money investing in our, in our knowledge and our skill set, which is money, if we don't have that money set aside, we're not going to do it. We're going to say, I can't afford to take a mastermind. I can't afford to take anything to increase my skill set. And if we don't have money for our dreams bucket for vacations or home improvements or whatever the case is, we're going to go into debt because we're going to do those things regardless. But we're going to put it on a credit card versus funding those things out of our own savings account. So that's what I call the millionaire formula. You follow the formula. It's a really great guide of how to split up and how to spend your money so you make sure you have enough in the future and enough for to live a good life today thanks so much christina last part we we only have a couple of minutes you talked about the mind body spirit and i'd like to uh you to just share about the spirit section of money before you leave oh i'm so glad yeah the mind body and spirit so the spirit side is the spiritual aspect of money it's what i call the divine side and that's the understanding that we we don't go search for money. Money's not out there somewhere. You know, we can't go chase it. We can't go find it. It's not growing on trees. Money comes from inside of us. And so when we have this really healthy relationship with money and this divine connection to it, one, we appreciate it. We're grateful for it. We're, you know, again, we just spend all this time to, to just um, 
relish it in a way that's very healthy, a healthy relationship. And then really to connect to the source. So when we're connected to source, source and the divinity side, the money flows to us because the, what we do and who we are and how we make money all become the same thing because we're pulling in money from source by virtue of who we are and what we do and our gifts to the world and then the flow back to us for how we receive the, the people, you know, those that take it, you know, that, that accept our gifts in the form of our talents that we offer and that money comes back to us. And we have self-worth that matches, matches this, uh, great connection to source and feeling that source and money are all very positive and high energy and high vibration. It's a whole different relationship. And so that, again, that's what I call the mind, body, and spirit of money. That's great. Love all your, your information. Where can we learn more about you and your work? Well, what I really love to do, thanks for asking, is I love to do what's called money therapy or money coaching sessions, 30-minute sessions. And so anybody listening, if they'd love to just chat about money or I can just listen in, I offer people 30-minute calls and they can just uh, contact me and get on my calendar. And it's christina.com forward slash call. And that's a K and two S's. And, and that's the best way to reach me. If not that, I have a book called Falling for Money, and you can Amazon Falling for Money, and that's really goes into a little bit more detail of what we talked about today. Fantastic. I just want to repeat that. So, and of course, I'll have it in the show notes here, but um, on on my our page. But it's Christina.com, and that's K-R-I-S-S-T-I-N-A.com forward slash call C-A-L-L. Is that correct? That's correct, and you can. People can order my book on Amazon, or if you just want to get a free download, just go to fallingformoney.com. Fallingformoney.com. Oh, wow. We had such great information from you, Christina. Thanks so much. I really, really appreciate you coming on and really um, getting deep, going to deep dive into how, why, and why it's so important for us to have money in our lives and use money for our health, our, our future our ability to live the best life, the dream life that we want. We learned about the mind, body, spirit of money, that it's important that you have your mindset clear, that we embody the knowledge of money, and that it's important that, you know what, you've got to definitely save and and do that 20-80-20 rule that she shared with us, and that the spirit of money is important because uh, the spirit of money, of course, it is an energy. Money is an energy, and it just gives us the That's ability to live the life we want. Thank you so much. This is Dr. Suzanne. If this is the first time listening in, make sure that you subscribe to us on Instagram. If you want uh, more help in digging deeper with your health issues, you can always call me. We do phone and consultations all over the um, Skype consultations all over the world. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.